Welcome. This is season three of The Daily Marketer, where we've decided to do something a little special. Earlier this year, startup junkie and marketplace master Ty Wolf Jones, hey Ty, approached me and pitched us the idea of instead of interviewing founders and marketers, why don't we dive into the world of marketplaces, the VH1 behind the music of marketplaces, or what is the making of the sausage of a marketplace? Ty could bring the operations point of view, and I could bring the marketing point of view, and we could make some marketplace magic, or maybe a little more like marketplace mayhem. So join us for the series where we've spoken to over a dozen marketplace leaders and pioneers from Uber, Convoy, Bellhop, DoorDash, Rover, but also some rising stars and marketplaces from multiple countries, venture capitalists, and more. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Something that I've wanted to ask, because I've been thinking a lot about this, is mm-hmm. since I, I made my listing, I'm, I, I'm trying to be a host, is price point for being on neighbor as a host is relatively low. It's, it's very affordable. And, and even compared to getting a, a unit in a typical storage facility, it's maybe $200, $300. Uh, and, and maybe it's a little bit out of town. This, it's, it might be $100, $150. And I get to know my neighbor while I'm at it. And, you know, it's, it's probably a better space quality wise. I'm going to have a better experience. Do you think that adds to the acceleration of the marketplace? The maybe we'll call it the low cost barrier of entry. Definitely. I mean, uh, we've seen savings up to about 50%, uh, for customers, you know, with, with that aspect, uh, I think anyone who is needing, you know, storage for a remodel, they could quickly find a place that suits their needs and, rent it out month to month until their the remodel's done and they can move it out versus you know you know a year long contract six, six months contract um, so that that's one aspect is the price and then the the flexibility with it uh, but you, you're exactly right it's it is a huge benefit it it really provides a benefit it's a win win situation for everyone involved you as a host are going to start making a nice passive income the renter is going to be saving money and have a more peace of mind because uh, you're in a safer location, you have the space that you need, and it it really is a, a kind of a win-win situation. I know that's kind of a cliche to say, but it's true. Yeah, people are probably thinking this guy is just drinking the neighbor Kool Aid and is just <laughs> saying it all. Oh. But um, when you just break down the numbers, it's it's more facts than it is like you know uh, perspective on um, my side. Yeah. You're right. There's a lot of really great storytelling to to be had here. And mm-hmm. something that Ty and I read up was that restaurant owner that is potentially going to go out of business because they're losing their lease. They could actually store a lot of that stuff in a neighbor host nearby and not have to completely salvage everything and close shop for forever in some way, saving a part of their business and their identity, right? So I guess this leads me to say, are, are you thinking about PR and press for both sides of the marketplace? You know, I just gave the example of on the the renter side. How are you thinking about this, about PR on both sides of the marketplace? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, a lot of it comes down to understanding who your target audience is and who your users are. Uh, and we've had, you know, individuals who have had unique experiences like the one that you described or been on the flip side where they don't have tenants and they can't get people to come rent out their space uh, and become a, a restaurant. 
because of the way the market is right now. And so mm-hmm. they've been able to supplement that. Um, what would be, you know, a, a, a restaurant and, and turn it into self storage. And so um, you can look in we're we're talking about commercial real estate, small business and, and mm-hmm. individuals, residentials. And so what it really comes down to is knowing your users and knowing who you want your users to be and then understanding what mm-hmm. their needs are um, and really trying to think through their experiences from their perspective and what that would look like and what that would need to be. Um, and so we're approaching this from a variety of different angles and mm-hmm. making sure that we're, we're helping people in a variety and in very unique situations. You're actually going to be writing press possibly for both sides of the marketplace, whether it's renters or new, new, new rental spaces. That's right. Yeah. So we call them hosts and, and renters and, and we'll be, yeah, similar to, you know, a lot of like Airbnb, they call their hosts and uh, guests. Um, ours are just hosts and renters, but yeah, cause there's a lot of unique stories on, on all aspects. Um, whether it be PR stories or stuff that you want to use in your marketing campaigns. Um, but being able to tell the humanistic side of, of a company helps. I think people relate to it more and so that's what we're, we're trying to do and that's what we're going to be working on is is telling all these stories that can help people relate to this situation and hopefully help people realize that there are solutions out there that fit their needs nice actually that's one thing before we i know we had a couple other things we were thinking about but one thing i wanted to explore was you know so in a lot of our conversations in the marketplace world right like whether you're supply constrained, going after demand, whatever, there there's always this kind of argument of of subsidizing one side of the marketplace to to balance out, right? Your your whatever your imbalance is, um, which is a you know a marketing exercise of acquisition. How do you get the suppliers? How do you get those new customers? Whatever it is, right? Um, but you guys and you in particular, I'm, I'm asking the PR guy, have gone a little different route or are starting to go down a different route of, of flipping, not going after the acquisition route, but going after the more organic storytelling PR methodology. Um, talk about why you you think that's the decision right now to do and, and why you guys are going that route as opposed to just you know subsidizing one side of the marketplace or another. Yeah, I can speak from a PR perspective and a lot of it uh, comes from building trust um, as as safe as it is with neighbor. Neighbor offers, you know, these uh, insurance programs that, you know, companies or individuals are insured when they use our platform as a host mm-hmm. and a renter. And so it's, it's very safe and, and we put a lot of precautions. So like, Ty, if you're going to rent out my space, you have to list everything that you're going to store at my space before I can approve you. So there's a lot of safety nice. aspects that we put into it. But I think a lot of it is from a PR aspect, why we're doing this from an organic ways to help people feel comfortable with this. Marketplaces, while they've been around and, and definitely, you know, like there's been other companies that have come before this that have helped break down some barriers this is a, a new marketplace where we still have to build that trust with individuals. And so as we approach it from that aspect, again, telling a, a humanistic side, an actual individual who mm. here is someone who's using our marketplace and it helps other people relate to it. And so it builds a, a credibility to 
what you're trying to provide customers. Right. So focusing right now, or even the the hiring of of UKC and mm-hmm. giving your subject matter expertise right now is for the purpose of building trust, building that you call it getting people comfortable with it. Was this a conscious choice? This like conscious choice by by Joseph to say we need to build trust first, or did they did they look at the case example of previous marketplaces, maybe ones that were successful or not successful, and they said in this scenario we really got to do this? I believe it was a, a very conscious choice. Like um, you guys have been part of startups, uh, PR is not necessarily the one of the first things that you bring right. out of a company, um, and so for. Joseph and the other founders to bring someone on in the PR world. Um, they made it a very important aspect of the company to say, hey, this is something that we want to use this tool, this this aspect of the funnel we want to really use to help build out our credibility um, and help people learn about and, and gain awareness of our company through this PR tool. And uh, so I would say it was a conscious decision to go down that path. Um, that doesn't mean that they've abandoned or, or Nate has abandoned sure. these other options, but it's it is one that we're ready to take on and and start um, utilizing. I think it's a smart move. Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm with it. Yeah, so what role do you think PR plays in creating a flywheel? Uh, you mentioned before we started recording that it was doing on a by market basis, and and that it was kind of constraining the scale or growth. Well, well, I guess what specifically does PR play in in creating a flywheel that lets it kind of grow organically through virality, and or through the momentum of the next steps that start happening. Yeah, that's a great question. As as far as it pertains for PR, I think a big portion of it really helps. PR brings in the, the awareness and, and we're reaching um, not necessarily our current customers, um, but we're, you know, we're talking to potential customers or potential hosts, potential renters um, from a PR industry. Like we're looking for people who don't necessarily know about Neighbor um, and, and getting that introduction with them from a, a third party credibility, from the media, from influencers, and then working with them. Uh, to help reach a broader audience. Um, and so I see PR adding that value to the mm. flywheel. Um, but, uh, you know, PR has its own kind of uh, flywheel where we get media mentions uh, mm. and it helps, you know, get web traffic. Most of us try to get backlinks from those blogs or from those uh mm-hmm articles that you see on TechCrunch or whatever uh, you read. And then that helps increase that visibility and credibility. And then there's another aspect that's like, you know, the social media aspect. Uh, mm-hmm. I know social media can go into marketing or, or communications, uh, but that just helps build that momentum. And then uh, hopefully that helps us receive more attention as, as it kind of just creates that continuous flywheel with the media coverage that we have. Um, a lot of PR professionals refer to it like a, a peso model. Uh, I can't remember who first termed that kind of concept, but it's paid, earned, uh, shared, and owned. Paid would be like, you know, 
Facebook ads, sponsorship, sponsorships, Facebook ads, um, awards, even sometimes cost money for an application, stuff like that. And then there's mm-hmm. the earned aspect, which is working with journalists and reporters. And then the shared aspect is like the social media, mm-hmm. um, those kind of posts. And then the owned aspect is like your blogs and, and making sure that those are SEO optimized so that um, pulling in all those areas together to create that momentum that helps build the, the company's credibility. Well, and I just wanted to add that I wanted to touch on this point you brought up a second ago. So you're in all 50 states. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And this was a decision that was made after you, the, you guys were launching market by market kind of, or at least probably regionally or some form thereof, like mm-hmm. a lot of other marketplaces, but decided too constraining. Let's just go national. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for every marketplace, it, it's going to be uh, unique to their situation. Yeah. But to your point, uh, neighbor, we we were seeing success and we didn't want to just go one by one across the yeah. nation. We, we just wanted to hit it hard. And, and now we have uh, users in every state in almost every city. So That's it's awesome. very exciting to uh, to go after that. And so... For, for us, it was um, that the founders just decided that that was the best way to to approach it yeah, um, because yeah. of the scalability. And, and we were growing like crazy. We saw the need and the demand for it. And so um, why why hold back against that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that feel, I, I was just going to add this to the conversation around having, you know, going, going with the strategy of PR is it's such a stronger foundation, right? Like one of the biggest worries I think of a lot of founders and, and startups is doing PR is if you're only in a handful of markets, are we in enough markets to make our article interesting or to make that press really have its biggest impact, right? You are now coming into this, you know, rocket ship that is everywhere or can be everywhere instantly if it isn't. Um, and now you've got this, some, you know, pretty pretty awesome foundation to build off of and this big huge megaphone to to do it right right yeah uh, i mean it it definitely helps tell the story a little bit easier yeah. when you can say we're in every state like you yeah. want to find a place in miami to rent storage because you're moving down there we can help provide that or if you want to yeah. go to alabama we can help with that too. And Love so it. It, it definitely helps um, be able to tell the story. And you can tell the story on a variety. You can go to national publications or you can go sure. to local stories. And so sure. it helps us, um, you know, have a, a options to go for versus just one publication that covers BC funding. I don't know, something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but it, it gives us more, more avenues sure. to go down. Yeah, I guess on that note, it also allows you to take advantage of, and I always get these two mixed up, so forgive me, the virality and or network effect. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is actually a marketplace principle in this this book, Platform Scale. I, I beat a dead horse with it, Ty, I know, but it's this marketplace principle is that supply and demand are, are when they're interchangeable, it's a power lever for virality and or network effects. So then the users can generate the growth. What I mean here is that I go list my place as a host, but then I, you know, a couple months later I go, oh, but I need to store something in Oregon because I'm buying a place there or I'm going to be spending three months there, right? 
and then I become a user, uh, a renter. And so the fact that a renter and a host can be interchangeable and they can actually play on both sides of that marketplace is a really powerful lever in a, in a marketplace's growth compared to something like uh, Ty and I work, worked at assurance. It's, you know, there's insurance agents on the supply side, licensed insurance agents, and then there's shoppers looking for insurance. It's pretty hard to cross over to go from, I'm shopping for insurance. I'm just going to go do a 13 hour training to become a licensed insurance <laughs> agent. It's probably not going to happen. Neighbor can take advantage of that, that, user playing on both sides of that marketplace. Exactly right. Uh, and that's, that's one of the areas where uh, I we have had users who've, who've done that exact same scenario that you, you laid out. And it also helps um, build trust because then um, when they have been able to play on both sides, they're also more likely to, to tell friends and family about it too because they mm -hmm. can say, Hey, this was my experience as a host. Here's my experience as a renter. And so I, you know, our market reach compared to the insurances, uh, mm. everyone needs insurance. Um, but like you said, not everyone can be an insurance uh, <laughs> provider or, or agent. And mm -hmm. so um, we're, we're essentially able to double dip in that area. Exactly. Nice. That being said, it sounds like though you guys are is there one side of the marketplace you guys are focused on demand or supply these days are you constrained on one side of your marketplace right now that's a good question i'd have to look at some of the the data points but i know from from my perspective it's both aspects right now uh, mm -hmm. we're at the point of in in the company where we have users on both sides but we could always use more, right? Like we could always yeah, get yeah. more supply and, and then we could always try to get uh, more demand. And so I don't know if there's necessarily one that we're solely focusing on right now, like where a lot of marketplaces, when they first do uh, startup, like if you look at, you guys mentioned Uber at the beginning, how their big push was to get a lot of drivers and, mm -hmm. and get drivers. And they've done an incredible job at that. Then they also had to then go working and get the demand and help people sure. break down the barrier of saying, hey, don't use a taxi. Why don't you just get an Uber when you need it and where you need it? Um, mm -hmm. And so a lot of marketplaces get to a point where they have enough supply that they can meet demands. And mm -hmm. so, um, and then it just becomes a part of making sure that you level them up both together at a consistent rate. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's there, and then there's areas where if you look at specific region locations, like we could always use. I'm just making this up. More more hosts in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. um, figure that out, and and go target that. So you can break nice. it down in a variety of different ways to figure out what what we're working on or what other marketplaces are working on. Um, Hopefully that answered your question, Ty. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, that's, it, it, yeah, it's interesting. I just wondered, I, I, it felt like in some of the conversation that you, we, you know, you might, might be more focused on supply, um, but it sounds like you guys are, are starting to focus on both sides. So just, we got to ask the, the kind of pretty typical marketplace question of, of chicken or egg, right? You're, you're, you're now tasked to be the storyteller. Do you know a bit about the origin story and, and do you have a sense or, or how do you guys talk about those early days 
and and what came first uh, for for neighbor was it the was it the demand or the supply from your from your side from your storytelling? Uh, you know, I I, I kind of told you the concept, the origin story of of neighbor with Preston, um, and he he experienced the pains of the industry from a demand side, like as right. a renter, he couldn't find the space that he needed. Um, I mean, your, your question is, is the timeless one, which one comes first. Um, but I would say that neighbor came forth from a demand aspect. Like there was a, a sure. need for a more convenient, uh, more affordable, uh, way to rent the space that you need for the time that you need without paying a, arm and a leg and going to the sketchy part of town. Yeah. How, how did they go to confirm that, <clears throat> that the demand was that it wasn't just the founder experiencing that pain? Uh, if you look at the industry, uh, there is, um, it's called the self storage almanac. It's this magazine. You can look this up, but wow. most, uh, realize there was a storage, storage almanac that's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> I, i'm telling you this this is one of those huge industries that just flies under the radar for most people yeah yeah right um but most uh self-storage units operate around 90 to 95 percent capacity um and so there's very limited space for for most people and it just goes to show you that there is a huge demand and this industry has more like more there's more self-storage facilities and there are mcdonald's starbucks dunkin donuts and there's one other combined and they're at 95 percent occupancy wow are you looking it up the stats right now did you find one no but the fact that i'm just putting it together there's 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 more storage units than you mentioned mcdonald's and starbucks but they are also at 90 to 95 percent occupied i mean that's just blows your mind a little bit of how many people or how much demand there is yeah yeah there there's this huge demand for it and so again going back to your question which came first i i don't know if i can fully answer that but i can tell you that neighbor came from uh the pain point of being in a customer and, and trying to find the right space and yeah. again that's why neighbor is is in a unique position because not only is it a peer-to-peer marketplace where, you know, Jacob, you can rent to Tyler and, and you make a passive income, but Tyler saves money. But Tyler, as a renter, you have the power to be able to find the space that you need, rent it for as long as you need it to. Um, and Jacob, you're able to put out there the the type of space that you want to rent out, whether it be again, an attic, a shed, uh, I love it. Carport. I mean, it feels like when you talk about those stats, like there, it is supply constrained, right? Like if we're sitting at ninety to ninety-five percent capacity, but yeah. but what neighbor? Well, yes, you sense that demand. The other thing that I think it feels like you did was unlock the new supply, right? To your point of earlier, I think you said this earlier, where you know the 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 once you get this unique supply, this new supply. Um, it's a different way of attacking this this ninety to ninety five percent occupancy, right? Of like let's let then let's just open up more possibilities and let everybody make a little bit of money, have a little convenience, save a little bit of money, and and build these communities all all at the same time. Pretty powerful. It's it's similar to how 
DoorDash and Uber Eats unlocked a supply of of business for businesses for restaurants. Right, that if if they hadn't come around, then things might have been even tougher during COVID for the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. I think about that. Hey Casey, so we're gonna wrap up here. We got something special. We call it rapid mayhem questions. So, are you ready? Let's do this. All right. So, so the first thing comes to your mind. All right. What marketplace would Casey be? Ooh, do I make my own marketplace or do I just you, say one? You can. No, one? you you could be an existing one or or one that's never existed. Ooh, uh, I love the idea of of being a marketplace for uh, knowledge. If people can just share knowledge, factual knowledge, though, not, you know, kind of misinformation because there are, there's a marketplace out there, but I love the, I love bouncing ideas off of people. I love talking with individuals and hearing what they have to say and, and and learning their perspectives. Kind of like a, like a WebMD marketplace, but for like many different industries. That's pretty cool. Casey, what's a marketplace you like that is not so popular or well-known? There's... There's one that I think is a, a great idea, uh, and they've actually done a great job with some of their the PR efforts. I kn- they don't have a PR person yet, uh, but it's called Swimply. Have you guys heard of Swimply? No. No. They're they're also a fairly new company like us, where people can rent out their swimming pools to wow. others. And so, Jacob, you can rent out your pool to Ty, and Ty, you can, you know, rent a pool for. Two to three hours, whatever time frame Ooh, you need, and, pool and party. you have a private pool. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Okay, okay, I like that. The name's right. very clever too, Swimply. Yeah, I know. Just Swimply. I mean, oh, uh, Casey, what's your favorite marketplace that failed? Ooh, that is a tough one. Um, there's one that I love. It's I'll tell not you, necessarily that I'll, I'll buy you some time. I'll buy you some time. I okay. w- one that I liked it was called Josephine, and it was about it was like peer to peer dinners. Like oh. y- you could go to your neighbor's house, they'd made extra food, extra servings of food, and you would pay something like ten to twenty dollars, and you would get to take it home. And it was kind of this like community based dinners and lunches and meals thing. Actually, just just so you know, Jacob, I actually know the founders of Josephine, and while the regulators shut them down in most of their communities, they've gone on to build a nonprofit um, out of the Bay Area, still trying to help underserved communities who want to become, you know, want to make have an extra income, making food neighborhoods. So, very cool crew of, crew of folks um, mm-hmm. still trying to do work in that space. So, that's awesome. I love that you brought that up. Josephine was great. That's awesome. Uh, I haven't heard about that. Uh, but that sounds like an awesome thing that they're doing to yeah. Yeah. help yeah. underprivileged communities. Uh, that that's a tough one, though. Um, so the one that came to my mind isn't necessarily that they uh, failed, but they were willing to adapt. That mm-hmm. came to mind, and that's Netflix. They're a, a marketplace of like mm-hmm. content, um, mm-hmm. and they they look to the future and completely burned the votes as the saying goes right and went all in on the streaming mm-hmm. service and now they're the biggest marketplace for streaming and content they're mammoth yeah so they haven't failed in in fact they're probably like the opposite of failure but it's yeah. exciting to see what they were and what they evolved sure, into sure but the, they, they let themselves evolve and they let that first version die <laughs> yeah yeah no more dvds yeah 
what's a marketplace that doesn't exist yet, but it totally should? Oh, another good one. I think there is one that is, it hasn't gained momentum as much, but it's another startup. So I don't know if that actually works. I actually just discovered it. And it, it's called Tools, where you can like rent tools from your neighbors, like power wow. tools or lawnmowers. Yeah, sure. Um, trying to think of another marketplace. If I had another marketplace, I, I would definitely oh, that, want to go start it. That one's uh, pretty yeah, right, cool. Right. Yeah, that was but, pretty cool. I like that one. Because go. it can be expensive. Yeah, it's expensive to get, you know, electrical drill, yep. bandsaw, yeah. all that jazz. I mean, I, I'm dealing with that right now with the, with the electric sander, like a huge sander to sand floors. And I'm like, man, I wish oh, I could wow. just walk over yeah. next door to get it versus having to go to Home Depot, pay $80 per day, right? Sign a contract. Right. Yep. There's, there's got to be something better. If, you know, trying to find the supply for the thing that you need there, like uh, yeah. I was... Could never get an aerator when I was trying to aerate my lawn at Home Depot. But um, I mean, my wife and I are trying to paint our house, and like we didn't want to rent out rent a spray painter because the time and amount of effort that it took, we could have just bought one ourselves. So now we have a paint sprayer, and now we're going to paint everything in our. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm jelly. But and, and it you may rent and, it out to our neighbors. I was just going to say that you may rent it out on tools or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I like it. So, uh, I that's a great question though. Um, I'll have to think about that and I'll maybe add comments. Uh, to well, add in sure. The show notes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Casey, we're gonna we're gonna take you home. Where where can we find you? And do you have any asks for the audience before we go? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Casey Scow on LinkedIn or. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's scow19, my last name, S-C-H-O-W-19. Most of that stuff on Twitter is either talking about uh, interesting articles from reporters or jazz. So if you're interested in NBA talk, uh, you'll see a lot of content on that. Um, And honestly, I just ask that people out there be kind and, and support one another. That's you know, the way that we get through a lot of things in life and going back to uh, bringing this full circle as it is uh, talking about before I think we we started recording about the concept of coming together, being Mm. together and and making sure that we do that and then and do it in a kind way. So that's, that's what I ask of people. That's great. Casey, that's been really nice having you on the show you have a great energy about you and uh, i i don't want to forget neighbor.com you can be a host you can also uh rent some space there i think everyone always has something that they might not want to give up and they could put into a space or they have some space and they can they can lend it to someone else and and build some community in the process so everyone should definitely go check that out too and then uh, i guess finally go jazz (laughs) go jazz Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah. Thank you, Ty. Appreciate great. you guys' time. Casey, it was yeah. really fun. All right. See you guys later. See Ciao. You guys. Bye-bye. Bye. What a phenomenal episode, huh, Ty? Yeah, that was great. And we really hope that you got as much out of it, listening to it, as we did making it. Thank you for listening in. Yes, I second that. Thank you. And don't forget, you can like and subscribe if you wish. We'd rather hear of your thoughts. So tell us what you think of the episode and leave a review, please. Mayhem on, Ty. Yeah, mayhem on, Jacob. Jacob.